0: Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode. Today it's the Formula One Austrian Grand Prix preview episode. So first we're going to get to know the track, its history, and what I expect from the race on Sunday. The track that we are having this Austrian Grand Prix at is the Red Bull Ring, which is 4.318 kilometers or 2.683 miles in distance. The Grand Prix is 71 laps or 306.58 kilometers, 190.5 miles. This track features 10 corners, seven to the right and three to the left, with three DRS zones, one down the pit straight, another between turns one and three, with the kink in the middle of the straight being considered turn two, and the last DRS zone down the straight between turns 3 and 4. Yes, all three of the long straights this weekend have DRS zones. This track was originally known as the Osterreich Ring, built in 1969 with the first Grand Prix being held in 1970. The Red Bull Ring, as it is today, was turned into its modern look in 1995 and 96 by Hermann Tilke to make the circuit more modern and shorter. Herman Tilke, being the guy that ruins almost every single racetrack, actually kind of came out with a banger on this one. The winningest driver in the history of the Austrian Grand Prix is actually a three-way tie between Joe Siffert, Alain Prost, and Max Verstappen, each having three victories at the Austrian Grand Prix. The winningest constructor is another tie, McLaren and Ferrari each having six wins. It's a sprint weekend, baby! Means the weekend format. We got Friday FP1 in qualifying, Saturday is FP2 in the sprint, and Sunday is the Grand Prix itself. Some storylines from last weekend flowing over to this weekend. Can Haas start a point streak? Double points last weekend at the Red Bull ring. Coming up next is half power for the first half of the lap, and half chassis and arrow in the second half of the lap. Haas have that powerful yet unreliable Ferrari engine in the back and an OK arrow package. They haven't had any major updates all season and they don't have any planned until just before the summer break with either uh sorry about that. With either France or Hungary being targeted for their first major upgrade. Gunther Steiner, the team principal, has said, I've always said that we don't just introduce updates indiscriminately because everyone else does it too. We're gonna walk our own path. Props to you for that one, Gunther. Thank you for carrying Drive to Survive for the last three seasons, and thank you for being one of the best characters in the F1 paddock. Another storyline, will Ferrari be able to get the Leclerc relationship back on track? Leclerc was given a stern talking to by team boss Mattia Benato after the last race, and still seemed a little confused as to why Ferrari did what they did at the end of the race. Finally has a championship, Challenging car, and now the team is getting in the way of actually winning it. I can completely understand Charles Leclerc's level of frustration here. Um, it seemed so obvious to pit Leclerc, and even more confusing is the um, defense that Mattia Binotto offered. Um, he said that he was worried that the time loss due to a double stack would have caused them to lose more points than the strategy that they actually went for. Now, the confusing part here is, Claire had about a 9-second lead on Carlos Sainz in second place when the safety car came out, and he slowed going through Stowe Corner right before the pit, pit lane entrance to see if the team were going to call him in or not. So that lead evaporated to 4 seconds. Even at 4 seconds, it doesn't take that long to change tires and move to the next car, meaning, to me, the average pit stop is between 2.3 and 2.7 seconds, that gives you about a second and a half to make a mistake and still have Carlos signs in the pits right then and there, with no worries. So another part of it was he's saying they they could have pitted Leclerc, and everyone else behind them would have stayed out, which insinuates that Ferrari would have kept signs out. Hamilton would have stayed out, Sergio Perez would have stayed out, even though he had to make another pit stop, seeing as he only had run the mediums for his first stint, come and changed the front wing, and got another set of mediums for his second stint, he had to come back in, so you're saying maybe two people stay out behind Leclerc, with one of them being his teammate, and Leclerc would have been on fresh softs, so to me, the worst he's dropped into is fourth, he could have even fixed his front wing, which damaged on lap one, the same as Sergio Perez and still only probably ended up 6th at worst. With fresh soft tires and how much faster he was on the harder compounds with front and nose damage, losing the end plate on lap 1 like previously stated, I think Leclerc's easily won in that race in the last 12 laps that they ran green. Some members of the Ferrari team actually refused to take part in the podium celebration afterwards. This news came from a former team member who said some of the current team originally refused to attend the celebration following in the following photo shoot. This is definitely not a good sign. Um, I know this is a little obvious. I know I'm saying this. It's pretty obvious. It's not good. But now it seems as though the Ferrari team are divided almost as badly as anything else in the world anymore where they want their driver to win and they don't care about the other one now because they're seeing how Ferrari are just having blunder after blunder. Leclerc, after the race, demanded a full view into the costly strategy call, which I'm assuming he also wants to look into the Monaco incident and the engine reliabilities that have plagued him this season, where he's lost how many points? Goodness me, I can't even tell you how many points. When he started on pole in Monaco, the strategy calls ruined it there. He's Blowing everyone out of the water in the Spanish Grand Prix for the engine to blow up And he's got a real shot at winning in Baku at worst probably finishing second or third and the engine blows up while leading Also, Carlos Sainz's engine blows up while he's running fourth So I can completely understand why Leclerc wants to look deep into the problems at Ferrari Supposedly though, Benato and Leclerc had a dinner where they quote-unquote canceled out the post-race tension But I think it's going to take more than a dinner for Leclerc to chill out over the Ferrari blunders this season. And rightfully so. He probably should be leading the championship if not being within a race wins distance of Max Verstappen in first. Which is just ridiculous to think that he's over a race win behind Verstappen after being almost 50 points ahead of him at one point during the season. Some new storylines that have been developing throughout the week... The FIA has sent an updated technical directive throughout the, to the teams on the porpoising issue. Yes, the FIA updated the directive on porpoising and said they will be closer monitoring the plank wear underneath the car and the flexibility of it. Coming straight from the FIA, they said, quote, the central floor flexibility, skid deflection, and skid wear measurements are all inherently related to the same issue and go hand in hand with the new metric we are developing, end quote. They will be using... These metrics to measure the porpoising and grounding, both the bouncing due to aerodynamics and due to the sniftness of the suspensions. They cited the significant deformations over and above what the new regulations allow as reasons for this. Toto Wolf, the team principal of Mercedes, was taken aback by the news. And Mercedes head of trackside engineering, Andrew Shuvlin, said, quote, When it came to light, we realized there are opportunities we've perhaps not been taking or exploiting. So it won't affect in how we run our car. It may well be that it affects other competitors, and by virtue of that, we move a bit closer. End quote. I personally don't have much understanding of this one. I know there is a plank underneath the cars that they used to... They were supposed to be. Now I say that because they're updating this directive, obviously meaning they weren't doing it very well before. But they're supposed to be using to measure the amount of bouncing and how low the cars were riding. So... To me, it seems like some teams were finding a way to get either the plank to bend or the floor to bend in a way that the plank parts that are being measured, there's three holes, two in the front, one in the back, that they were getting the body to bend so that the middle of the car wasn't hitting the track, therefore skidding and removing part of the plank and looking worse than it was. That's about all I can really get out of it. Um, Some suspected teams, they apparently... Ferrari and Red Bull but uh, the new measurements won't take place until the French Grand Prix which comes after this weekend's race. Um, It seems as though there's the old saying there's no smoke without fire. FIA is citing safety as a reason to force this through but both of these teams have been vocal about mid-season rule changes especially Red Bull with the first technical directive and most other teams seem to be surprised when they found out that this even needed to be said so I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen in a French French Grand Prix in two weeks' time after Austria, Um, seeing if Ferrari and Red Bull maybe come back to the pack or if someone else falls off the pace completely, but it seems as though Red Bull and Ferrari were the two teams mainly targeted with this new updated directive. Another storyline I have is Will Verstappen continue his dominance at the Red Bull ring. They may as well name it the Max Verstappen Ring. He has won the last two races here and four in total with absolutely none of them even being a race to me. He's also accumulated the last two polls here. He always runs well regardless of if he's winning or not. He's got 6 podiums and 9 races at the Red Bull Ring with another 8th place finish and only 2 DNFs making up the rest of the results. Regardless of these results though, Max will undoubtedly go from Silverstone Villain to Austrian Hero. We had some fans booing Verstappen at Silverstone when he started his practice and qualifying. Some say that's due to Nelson Piquet's racist comments on Lewis Hamilton, while others are saying it's because of the drama and controversy over the end of last season. But I'm assuming Verstappen's going to continue his dominance here. He's been too good for too long for it to just vanish out of nowhere. Uh, I'm expecting a good weekend for Red Bull in total, but I know Sergio Perez is definitely not as strong as Verstappen is here. Nobody is. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Verstappen can continue his dominant ways here in Austria. Now, while we're on the topic of Red Bull and bad people, um, I also have another storyline for you, which I hate to even bring attention to, but I just can't get over the egregiousness of it. But uh, Yuri Vips, it turns out he's still a uh, part of the Red Bull Driver Academy. Christian Horner originally said the team were an all-inclusive group with zero tolerance on racism, yet news broke this week that Vips' contract termination, quote-unquote, was only for the test and reserve driver of Red Bull Racing Formula One team, meaning he's still in the pipeline of Red Bull drivers. Liam Lawson is the one taking Vips' place as a test and reserve driver for the F1 team, regardless of that news. Still Vips is in the pipeline. I understand people deserve second chances. I do. Everyone's going to make a mistake or two in their life and vips is a kid like generally speaking um, I just didn't think that Red Bull's initial response Made it seem like this was even a possibility. They suspended him indefinitely immediately and then quote-unquote fired him and uh, Turns out that's a little different than what they actually did He did uh, keep his high-tech GP ride in formula 2 And he's obviously still keeping his Red Bull Academy slot when it was seen that he was fired from that role altogether. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to see him be better. I want to see him be successful, and I want him to show that everyone deserves that second chance, but this definitely is not a good look for the Red Bull PR team, I don't think, anyways, because you quite literally started off by saying he's suspended indefinitely. We want nothing to do with him going on to he's fired no longer a part of the team and then a week later news comes out that he in fact still is part of the team um i read part of one of the articles i read on this said that it almost seems like red bull just didn't want the negativity at the home race and now they don't really care if that news comes out so i guess we'll see what the future holds for vips Like I said, I think it just looks bad for Red Bull, but I would like to see Vips be successful and prove that second chances are good to have. I think a a perfect example of this same exact scenario would be Kyle Larson, caught saying a racial slur on a stream. He sat out an entire year from NASCAR, goes back to Hendrick Motorsports for the 2021 season and dominates, wins the championship his first year back. Everybody loves him. So I think you uh, just as many examples as you can get that people deserve that second chance is good as long as that person shows that they've learned from it and become a better person because of that, which I think losing a chance to get a direct line to Formula 1 is about as big of a reason to change as you can possibly get. So now I'd like to look into the forecast for the weekend, which I didn't do last weekend, and I wish I would have, seeing as how the weather actually panned out for the british grand prix but for the austrian grand prix here we have friday it's expected to be a dry day after we have some light showers thursday night tonight at the time of recording but friday is supposed to be dry for fp1 and qualifying saturday it's supposed to be a little bit warmer with some clouds but clear skies in the afternoon so we're gonna have you know a cloudy morning fp2 with a bright and sunny sprint race in the afternoon i don't think you can ask for much better than that but sunday 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 rain is expected saturday night after the sprint race and into sunday all the way up until the start of the grand prix i think this means we're in for a uh, imola type race where the track starts out wet and progressively gets drier and drier probably only going to have one dry line if the forecast is accurate And it really does stop raining right at the start of it. If you want some entertainment, you probably should hope for an early lap one crash, similar to uh, Hungary 2021, where it stopped raining when they started uh, the Grand Prix. Uh, Bottas locked up under brakes going into turn one, plowed into the back of Lando Norris and caused a pileup, which then led to the red flag conditions. When the drivers went back out on track on their enters, it was so dry, everyone but Lewis Hamilton dove into the pits. And Lewis, after one lap, said, yeah, it's dry enough, and came in for Slicks himself. That's the only real way we're probably going to get a crazy race in Austria. I think that track position is going to be extremely important, especially being that it's a sprint race, and cars in the dry aren't always the fastest cars in the wet. That being said, let's get into my predictions for this weekend. I went over four last race, so you can probably take a few of these predictions with a grain of salt, meaning all of them. My first prediction, the winner of the sprint race won't win the Grand Prix. I feel like a bigger team is going to take some newer engine components this weekend, since they have a sprint race to make up some of the places on Saturday leading into the start on Sunday, leading to a charge through the field, depending on how much they make up during the sprint. Should it be someone like verstappen starting at the back of the sprint i could easily see him getting up into you know easily the top 10 in the sprint race because i know the sprint race is supposed to be 25-ish percent of the full grand prix distance so if we say 25 percent of 70 you're talking 20 laps ish just short of 20 laps and i could easily see max verstappen making up 10 places in 20 laps especially at a track that he is so well dominant at so if someone like Verstappen takes newer engine components or Perez or Leclerc which he just did so he probably won't or signs I could see any of those four charging through the field maybe even someone like a Hamilton or a Russell but otherwise I just think it's going to be someone from a big team taking some new components starting at the back of the sprint and charging through for a good start on Sunday and winning the race I think my next prediction here is probably pretty pretty good. Probably not very nice because I do like Danny Rick. But I think he's going to continue to surprise everybody. Not in a good way, though. I expect Ricardo's going to be out in Q1 and finish outside the points yet again and see Lando Norris finish inside the top six. I think that's going to lead to further debate on his McLaren future. I think he's probably out after this season. Whether he retires or not is remains to be seen, really but I don't know that any team in Formula 1 is going to want him right now besides for the money, and most teams right now at the cost cap aren't necessarily concerned about money. Also, I kind of put in a second prediction there. If you caught it, I said Lando Norris finishing in the top six. Lando always seems to get on well at this track. Um, If you watched, I believe it was the 2019 Austrian Grand Prix where he set the fastest lap on the last lap of the race to get a podium place over Lewis Hamilton he's always on well here at Austria and I, I don't think this occasion will be any different I think one of the top teams will have a uh, misstep mistake something to lead to a top six place opening up in Lando Norris taking it and running with it my next prediction Mercedes is going to have another strong showing here in Austria Austria only has two real heavy braking zones meaning most of these corners are medium to high speed just like at Silverstone and Barcelona. With less overtaking, qualifying will be massively important, and who better do you want to qualify for your team than the all-time leader in polls and a man dubbed Mr. Saturday? I can't think of a better driver lineup for a qualifying session, personally, but go on. My final prediction is that Alpine will suffer at least one DNF. That Renault engine has been potent in a straight line this season, but the tracks with the most time spent full throttle are where these engines have gone down the drain. Some specific examples if you like them, Australia, Saudi, Silverstone, and Imola all being tracks that the Renault engine has failed at least one of the drivers. Which leads me to my podium predictions. I went 0 for 3 last race so you can really take this with a grain of salt. I got Max Verstappen, P1 baby, top step of the podium, winning the Austrian Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc P2, and George Russell P3. If you like some reasoning, Verstappen dominance is going to continue here. I don't see any reason that it won't. I think Leclerc is going to keep the points lost to a minimum at a track that he knows Verstappen is going to be dominant at. And I think Russell comes out with a vengeance after losing his top five streak last time out. But I could easily see someone like Carlos Sainz getting in there as well. Lewis Hamilton's hit or miss at this track. is either at the front or... Kind of just hovering around the podium places. And Sergio Perez doesn't have the best track record here, although I'm not saying it's bad either. So, those are my picks for the 2022 Formula 1 Austrian Grand Prix. Let me know what you think, if I'm right or wrong, what you expect from the race, who you want to win, who you think is going to fail. Let me know everything that you think about this race. And I will see you on my recap episode. Bye bye